It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lovely Saturday morning here at the end of August. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 356-9397. How you doing, young man? I'm doing well, Steve. Getting my hopes up for a football season again, but... Nobody seems to be taking into consideration whether the presidents are ready to change their votes. Or did they ever vote in the first place? Well, <laughs> they probably had a majority, yeah, a sufficient did. majority, a consensus as they call it. And whether they actually uh, voted or whether they just knew that wh- where they stood and, and did it that way, I don't know. Either way, it, uh, they, it's pretty clear that they were uh, you know, in favor of, of I think that the health concerns caused them to call off the season, and I don't know where that stands now. Well, there is some talk, if you've heard in the last 24 hours, of maybe uh, starting Big Ten football the weekend of Thanksgiving. More on that coming up in the show. If you have an opinion on that, feel free to jump in. Got a little open line here off the top. Here's our lineup for today at about uh, 9.15. We'll talk basketball with Brad Underwood. At 9.30, Professor Stephen Ross, he runs the uh, Penn State University Law School Center for the Study of Sports in Society. He spent some time in Champaign-Urbana, did he not, uh, Mr. Oh, yeah, he was, on the, he was on the athletic board. Mm-hmm. At 10 o'clock, Denver's sports columnist Paul Klee will join us. We haven't talked to Paul in a couple of months. He has a new project going on that he'll tell us about as well, in addition to what he's doing normally. And Jeff Petrikas from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who was really the first guy to break this Big Ten Thanksgiving weekend football story, will join us about 10.30 this morning. And in and around all of that, the phone lines will be open at 356-9397. My question to you, as we were talking before we came in, if you can play, if you want to play, I, I know there are several potential reasons why, but if you're going to start and play Big Ten football Thanksgiving weekend. I get that because the students will be gone. Yep. But, and I get that because it puts a little more time between this college football season and the 2021 one. Um, but I also think, part of me thinks that if you can start it then, then why not start in October and put because a little more time between? Absolutely. And that's what they should do. But I think that the presidents need a sufficient amount of time to make people understand uh, why they changed, and I think <laughs> if they changed too soon. I mean, look, they're just, it's a case of saving face. Right. I mean, that's what it really is. It's a PR. <laughs> their, their PR is not very good right now, and maybe they think that would help them out. Yeah, well, I, I'm anxious to see what happens, but I, I think you've got you've to get a reading on whether you can turn around three or four of those presidents and chance, or, or chancellors uh, Illinois' vote was made by Chancellor Jones. So between the presidents and chancellors, you've got to get some people to, to move. I think they're okay with Nebraska and, and Ohio State 
and Penn State, I think they've got those. I think they probably have those votes, but whether they can carry it over and, and pick up three or four more, I don't know. I don't have any inclination that that our chancellor is going to change. I haven't heard anything that he, that he would. I doubt he would. Let's go to the phones, and Stan is on with us. Go ahead, Stan. Good morning. Well, I want to start the show off on a high note with a thank you to Lauren Tate. I'm a 50-plus year season ticket holder. I have been reading your columns for, uh, sad to say, for both of us, Lauren, decades, listening to the Saturday Sports Line, and um, uh, you probably won't object to me continuing the tribute, will you, Lauren? Uh, your columns have been just as incisive as ever. In fact, the thought occurred to me, I've been, you're, you're tight lines don't come out as often anymore, weekly, so to speak. But I am so impressed with the quality of your writing, the the insight you show, and how you remember going back decades, and yet you don't go into a nostalgic uh, uh, cycle. You make the ancient, or old, I don't hate that word ancient now for both of us. So I just wanted to congratulate you and tell both WDWS, the News Gazette, and the City of Champaign that they truly are blessed to have Lauren Tate as a columnist. Well, listen, Plus, thanks, Dad. I appreciate you calling <laughs> in here, and I'll see you, see you for lunch. You're making me blush. <laughs> one, one more question. When is Tate Lines 2, your book, coming out to cover the last, what, 15 years of your columns? How's that? Can I be your agent to sell that book? Uh, Lines you two. don't have to worry about that. That's not going to happen. I'm, I'm getting lazy. <laughs> I didn't think so. Well, I just, we just wanted to wish you well. I've been uh, listening to Saturday Sports Line for decades, going down to games and whatever. Uh, should I keep going? Did I cover everything Lauren, that I was supposed to? <laughs> I think so. Thank you much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for the call, Stan. 356-9397 is the number. Open line here to get us started. Let's get you updated on uh, baseball scores from last night. If you missed it, Cleveland all over the St. Louis Cardinals, 14-2. The Car- They're boycotting. <laughs> the Cardinals are? Yes. They're boycotting their bats. <laughs> They're boycotting their bats, and they're putting uh, what looks like a triple-A team out there at times, triple-A pitching staff at least, uh, last night. 14-2 the final. The Cardinals have lost three in a row now, and they're 11-12 and 12 on the season. Three games behind the Cubs, who lost to Cincinnati over in the Queen City. Six to five, the final there. Those two teams will play a doubleheader today at 3-10 and 6-10. Cubs are 18-13 and 13 now. They've lost three in a row. But the hottest team uh, around these parts, at least, continues to be the White Sox. White Sox are 20 and 12. I really like the I like the way they bat. <laughs> they when they hit home runs there's no doubt. 6 to 5 they beat Kansas City. They hit three more home runs uh, last night and they, they won. they're getting close to 60, aren't they? I mean they're, they're up in the 50s in home runs. The Cardinals had 17 the last I looked. <laughs> I think they're a little behind the White Sox. White Sox had 17 one weekend. <laughs> but they've uh, That's right. They've won uh, three in a row now the Sox have. 9.07 is the time. The uh, golf, PGA golf uh, playoffs, FedEx playoffs, are at the BMW Championship, Olympia Fields North Course. Kind of neat to see uh, the golfers playing close to home. And it, I'm kind of a, a golf traditionalist. I had a lot of respect for Dustin Johnson last week when he was 30 under par. Yeah. But I don't like that. I, I like this. Yeah. The leaders are minus one. Yeah. 
Johnson had his troubles. I mean, he he's still in contention though. Yeah, he's he? only a shot back. Yeah, he's even say. par. Yeah, but I I like it where where it's tough on the guys, and you know, a handful under par will probably win it. But Rory McIlroy and Patrick Chantley are uh, Cantley rather are uh, tied at minus one. Dustin Johnson is in a uh, multiple tie for third at three under par. There are twenty two players up at Olympia Fields within four shots of the lead going into the weekend. So that's good stuff. While we're on golf, congratulations again earlier this week to Illini golf coach Mike Small, 13th time that he's won the Illinois PGA Championship. They ought to rename that one too. I'll say. (laughs) They should rename the Illinois Open and the Illinois PGA. 13 of the last 20 of those events have been won by Mike Small. It's amazing. It's amazing how he's... He still hits it so long, and we heard we talked to Underwood. I don't know if that was that off the air or on the air yesterday when we talked to Underwood. He played with Small, and Small, mm-hmm. what, did he shoot 64? Yeah. It was, <laughs> we've got and that. He said he should have shot 61. Exactly. Well, he shot 63 in the middle round of that uh, tournament earlier this week, and that turned out to be what uh, won it for him. But he had three rounds in the 60s in posting uh, that uh, championship. So the the good news, bad news for Smalley is uh, – the good news is, because his team can't play in the fall and hasn't been around during the summer, he's been able to play more himself. But obviously, he'd like to be coaching his team a little more than he's getting a is chance to. Everybody right in the world playing golf except the, the uh, Big Ten players. I, I'm I haven't checked around the country, but everybody's everybody's playing golf. You're playing golf today. Everybody's playing golf, but but the team can't play. I don't. Get well, it. the interesting golf is is noticeably higher. If you've hung, hung around any golf courses, and I was yeah. talking to Mike Walner at uh, the U of I about this, and it, play is definitely up over this, the past three months, over the same three months of last year. But do you think that's part, partly because of the uh, Stone Creek is closed? Partly. Partly because of the pandemic, yeah. because golf is one thing you can do. Yeah. And people are saying, well, you know, I can get outside and do something. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of people out there that I haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Some of those are guys that as you mentioned that came over from stone creek some some guys from lake of the woods or some of the other places uh, are coming down to savoy a little more often but uh it's it's kind of neat to watch and uh but that's one reason for that and we don't know exactly how i I was walking by stone creek the other day and they were doing some some work over there so kind of keeping an eye flowers I did see the sunflowers. Yeah, they're nice aren't they? what is it 50 acres of them yeah i heard 40 maybe maybe 50 i don't know if you like sunflowers, there's plenty of them there to see. A lot of people uh, out there taking taking pictures and walking through them. The NBA playoffs are scheduled to uh, get going again today and tonight. They've been on hold there for a couple of weeks in their form of uh, protest. So that uh, action will get going once again. As far as um, baseball, I know you love to watch baseball. You'll watch baseball under most any conditions, but are you as into watching baseball right now as you normally are? No. No, I'm not either. No, something about it. I mean, it's just uh, that it's a partial season. And, I, and the other thing is that seven inning games, you know, is another thing that I have, have to get used to. And, the, and the, all these pitchers that I never heard of, I, I mean, since when can nobody pitch a complete game <laughs> except Kuchel and Hendricks, of course, but. I just love to watch Kuchel pitch for the White Sox. He just lobs it up there, <laughs> and that's not quite true. But he's not throwing 
95 miles an hour. He's, he's throwing just hard enough to keep him off balance, and, boy, he just doesn't give you anything to hit. He's kind of a left-handed Greg Maddox. And, yes, he you know, is. When you think about it that yeah. way, it works the corners. 12 minutes after 9, we're off and rolling on Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, we'll talk things over with Illini basketball coach Brad Underwood. Stay with us. We're back with more after this. Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk continues with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. And we're going to talk some Illinois basketball. Illinois basketball coach Brad Underwood is on the line with us. Coach, give us an update of what is going on right now as far as your work with the players. Are you still working in the groups of five? Yeah, we're in small groups still. What we've done is uh, that's been real intentional. Um, with the first, uh, the first few weeks of school, we're going to keep that pattern. Uh, just in case there's a positive test, we don't want to have to send everybody into uh, – into quarantine so we've stayed very small groups and uh um you know we've added a few uh a few things we've done skill wise uh, we keep growing those uh those workouts but uh um this is actually the first week we've gone uh, uh we've actually done a little two on two and three on three just working in some ball screens but uh small groups and then we'll expand from there uh you know it's 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 literally one week at a time and don't get too far ahead uh, or you'll have to change, uh, you know, and something could come up. So, um, but yeah, I've been very good, very positive and very pleased with them. Talk about some of the things that you've seen with, uh, especially the new guys. And again, with just small groups, uh, you you don't see everything, but uh, talk about some of the things that you've liked so far. Well, I love their competitive spirit. Uh, You know, I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, when we set out in the recruiting process, that, that was one of the things that uh, that we knew all these kids had was, you know, they they all came from very very successful programs and, and won at a very high level, and and that translates into their workouts. You see them uh, compete in shooting drills, compete in, um, you know, in, in, in ball handling stuff, and uh, uh, you know, as we as we work on certain actions, we do, you know, they're they're all great listeners, which has been. Um, you know, you're always concerned about, you know, how kids listen and how kids learn and pick up things. And they've, they've picked things up very nicely and, and worked. And it's, it's nice because, uh, you know, they've got, uh, they've got veterans now who've done it and seen it and know how, know the pace with which we do things and know uh, the little intricate things that we're, we're trying to teach and they can, uh, you know, pull them at, after practice or after an individual and they can pull them aside. And this is what, you know, again, reemphasize some things. So, Leadership's been great by the veterans, and and the new guys have been uh, working their working really really hard, and and been very re- very receptive to uh, uh, to to teaching. Well, coach, uh, tell me, uh, uh, classes have started. Are they? Uh, and I say they are most of them, or how many are attending actual classes? How many are just doing online, or some of them doing both? I mean, how's that working? That part of it. Yeah, we're still. The first week has kind of uh, has been a little bit of a of a um, of a learning experience, I think. Uh, you know, as we're still uh, adjusting some kids' schedule, uh, that's another one of the reasons we've stayed in smaller groups is is uh, having some flexibility uh, if we have to move guys around because of class schedules. Uh, a lot of our guys are online. We do have some that have uh, have in person and. Um, um, you know, a couple of those are eight-week classes, 
So, um, you know, we're, we're still trying to define and see what that looks like. We'll, we'll have a better idea of that early next week. But uh, most of our guys are online. And where are they eating? And are they eating indoors? Are they taking it out? What, what's the process for, for lunch, for example? Yeah, we've got grab-and-goes, uh, what we call grab-and-goes. And, and uh, what has been known as varsity is, is not open. Um, but those meals are prepared. And, uh, and then they, they, you know, they, they go and, uh, they get, um, uh, get a little red card as they call it, that has money on it and they can go to certain restaurants and, and, and utilize those as well, uh, from their, uh, uh, their, their stipend checks. So, you know, it's part of it. Uh, it's a little bit different and not having the varsity room available, but, um, uh, the grab and goes and the nutrition aspect is still very, very good. And, and uh, our people are, are doing a great job of that. Just generally speaking, are you satisfied with their amount of mixing with the, the student population? Yeah, you know, I think it's still to be determined. I think that's one of the things, you know, Lauren, that is, is uh, you, you bring back 40,000 students and, and you know there's going to be some, some interaction and uh, we've got all of our guys, for the most part, with the exception of a couple who are tied up in some leases, staying in the same uh, complex. Um, I like that a lot. Um, that and it's it's not big, so it limits traffic. Uh, when you're talking about in-person classes, you're obviously going to have some interaction. But um, you know the job that the university's done with the testing centers, testing twice a week, testing every student. Um, the genius who came up with the app. Um, you know, that doesn't allow students to get into a classroom, doesn't let them to get into a bar, doesn't let them to get certain places if they've got a negative test or missed a test. Uh, we're so far ahead of the curve at the University of Illinois uh, in terms of uh, what other people are doing. Uh, so it's been a nice mix. To think we're not going to have positives would be foolish. Uh, we, there will be some, some of those cases happen. But uh, we're prepared for them, and we know how to, to deal with them, and we're catching them. And that's, uh, uh, that's what's been really, really impressive about uh, all this to this point. So we've had, a, we've had a great month in the last five weeks, and now we've got to continue to do that. Have you had any tests so far? I mean, positive tests? No. We've, we did this summer. We did this summer. Okay. We have not in the last, we have not in the last month. Okay. Uh, I guess this is week five, so. Our guys, you know, and that's what I was, this summer was so valuable for us because it was educational. And, and uh, sure, we had, uh, my son Tyler did 28 days in quarantine through contact tracing. And, um, you know, they got a great education as to what that process is like, the importance of wearing a mask, the importance of uh, how we're handling entrance and, and exit of our facilities. And, you know, we're not in our locker room. Uh, we have tables set up out there, and everybody has. Uh, there's no Gatorade water bottles anymore. Everybody's got individualized water, and uh, the balls are cleaned after every workout um, before the next group can come in, and we clear the facility out. So that process has become uh, second nature. And uh, you've got to come in with a mask. You, you, when you're around the building, and not on the court, uh, you've got a mask on. The coaches are all coaching with masks on. And, and gloves, and, uh, uh, you know, I'd be remiss. I mean, our managers have been unbelievable through this as well. They, they're they following the same protocols. So 
the summer was great for us. We 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 were able to gain some valuable lessons and and, and understand what we're doing. Talking to Brad Underwood, there's been a lot of discussion, and uh, that discussion is ongoing about when the college basketball season might start. There's some November dates, uh, December date, maybe a January date. How do you feel about it? What do you think? I know it's hard to predict, especially in 2020, but what would your druthers be on on when things get going? Well, I I love the soft bubble concept, and and what I mean by that is very similar to what we had this summer when the students depart campus at the end of Thanksgiving, uh, right in there, it gives us a natural uh, soft bubble in terms of limiting the interactions with, 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 with outside uh, people other than our own sports. And, and so I love that opportunity. We got, you know, a week or so in November, we've got all, or got all of December. You've got a month in December when I think basketball can just, really shine because you're you're not going to have any sports um per se going on there won't be football going on um and then you've got uh basically till the end of january before students come back so you've got a two-month window of kind of a soft bubble that's very similar to this summer uh where where the student population isn't here and uh, we can really control that environment so i'm in favor of uh, right after thanksgiving let's get let's get started and and uh, i hope that works we've got some some obstacles we still have to overcome but uh, uh, but we're making progress on that every day in that scenario then would you anticipate being able to play a, a handful perhaps of non-conference games yeah i think that's still pretty premature steve in terms of talking about what the schedule looks like i mean i think that there's um, we've got to see how testing uh, evolves. Testing is the whole key to this. Um, you know, getting getting all the Big Ten schools on the same page uh, with this is is and doing the same things. I think is is a big part of it as well. Uh, but uh, you know, I could see, uh, and I'm just throwing out a for instance. You know, playing the ESPN uh, challenge with the ACC and maybe creating a bubble or two and, and playing more than one game. Um, and uh, seeing what that looks like in, in those windows. I don't know if you're going to play the full slate. I think you've got economic concerns as well uh, for travel. Uh, there's always going to be um, the commercial airline aspect of it, teams not wanting to do that. So I think there's, uh, there's a lot of variables. It's very early yet, but uh, I do think we'll have a schedule, and, and uh, it may be completely different than what we've, what we've normally had, though. When do you expect uh, a, a word uh, about the, the from the NCAA on this uh, maybe this uh, pre-Thanksgiving start? When do you expect to hear about that? Yeah, you know, I think I think Danny Gavitt, uh, who heads up um, uh, works on it with the NCAA and heads that uh, that aspect of it up, is uh, is working hard. I think he's got five six different plans and options. I think as we as we get into the middle of September, late September, maybe as early as October, um, I, I think we'll have we'll have some definition. Lauren, what's happened in the past is we build our schedule backwards, so we know when the Final Four is and and the NCAA tournament rounds, and then we work backwards from there from the Big Ten tournament and and so on and and uh, so um, you know I think a calendar doesn't have to be set um it can be it could be a may madness uh depending on what happens 
uh, you know, this could be a very different calendar than what we traditionally know. So, um, I, you know, I hope we're, we're looking sometime into September, October, where we start to know what a date looks like to start practice um, and, um, and then get cranked up for games, um, you know, 40, 42 days after that is, has been the rule. So we'll see if that exists, but, uh, I think we're in great hands with Dan Gavitt and, and the job he's doing in, try, in terms of trying to figure all this out. Sounds like the Missouri game might be possible. Do you think? I, yeah, I think anything's possible. I think we're, 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 we're moving in a way that, uh, today I'm not changing anything. Um, you know, right now, uh, you know, if you would have asked me two days ago, I would have said we're not playing Arizona, uh, and Oregon's probably not going to be in Destin. Uh, the day changed, and the Pac-10 or the Pac-12, whatever it looks like, that they're um, thinking about possibly making some changes to their statement where they said they weren't going to play basketball till January. So uh, things change on the fly. And uh, right now, I think we're playing a, a regular schedule, and it'll be one of the best in the in the country. And and uh, until they tell us different, that's what we're planning on. Okay, here's the bombshell question: What makes you think that the presidents of the Big Ten will change their mind after canceling football for the fall? Well, well, I think we've got time. I think we, you know, I think time helps, and, and I don't think there's any question about that. I think that, um, you know, there's there's uh, we've just seen it here locally. I mean, uh, since that decision was made, I mean, the University of Illinois got FDA approval on the saliva test. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, t- we're testing uh, tens of thousands of people a day and getting results back. And, uh, you know, Abbott has come out with the, the, their, new, uh, uh, their new test. So I think as testing changes constantly, I think as uh, – um, possibly a vaccine or ways to treat COVID. I think um, I think we're we're we've got time on our side, and that's something that that uh, that I think helps. I think we'll be uh, extremely organized. I think we have a great opportunity to have 14 universities in the Big Ten all doing the same type of testing. Um, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm I, I don't I don't doubt for one second that we're we're going to play basketball. College basketball lost another iconic coach uh, this week in Lute Olson at Arizona. Of course, he coached at Iowa before that in the Big Ten. Did you uh, know him at all? I did. I got to know Coach Olson, and he actually recruited me uh, right in the transition from uh, uh, from Iowa to Arizona. And um, you know, I was a I was really high on them when when he was at Iowa, and he took over an Arizona program that was uh, uh, was not very good. And then he made it into a, one of national prominence, and he did it in a very quick, quick, quick fashion. But uh, the trainer I had for many years, um, and when I was at Stephen F. Austin, I took him into uh, Oklahoma State with me. Was a guy named Steve Condon, and Steve was um, was Lute's trainer uh, for for I believe 19 years. So became very acquainted with Lute through um, through Steve and. And um, got to know him, and of course, uh, um, you know, as, as just a as a, a fan and a love guy who loves basketball. I mean, was a great, great coach, and and uh, a lot of admiration for how he uh, how he built his program. One final question: How's your golf game? 
day to day day to day <laughs> i think that's uh you know uh you know i i get humbled really quick <laughs> when i play with when i when i play with coach small and uh last last round i played with him he shot 64 and probably should have been 61 and uh then i see he goes out and wins the you know illinois pga and and uh so i don't feel too bad you know when i shoot 78 and and uh but um you know it's day to day and i it's it's been it's been something that's been nice because my knee's healthy and i've lost some weight and, and i i grew up playing so i'm 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 actually able to to practice a little bit and play a little bit which i love to do hey brad we appreciate your time as always and uh, we'll talk to you again soon very good have a great weekend thank you you too on our basketball coach Brad Underwood. It is 9:31 now. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll continue and have more for you after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9:33 in Champaign-Urbana with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, with you until 11 o'clock, as always on Saturday morning. Happy to welcome uh, back to our program, Professor Stephen Ross from uh, Penn State University's Law School, the Center for Study of Sports in Society. Dr. Ross, good morning. How are you? I'm uh, doing great. Uh, I spent 20 years at the University of Illinois College of Law and uh, was uh, often enjoyed talking to Jim Turpin and Lauren on a great show, and um, I miss my friends there. Well, you've had uh, plenty to talk about <laughs> in uh, in uh, your uh, work up there with the uh, uh, study for sports and in society. A lot going on. Let's let's start with your overall uh, opinion of the Big Ten not playing football at the moment. Well, it uh, it struck me that it was a decision uh, motivated by uh, safety and welfare, and um, uh, probably a sensible decision. Uh, the um, I think people need to break down what the purpose of college football is and be realistic about it. And we are in our society. We have such a focus on a national championship, which is such a small factor in what makes college sports successful. And so I'm hoping that they will figure out a way as we move forward to have a winter or spring season, which I think could be really exciting. And uh, quite frankly, as a one-off, demonstrate um, uh, a real, uh, something that fans will really get behind, uh, because um, if they go forward as they're currently now planning, you could see a significant increase in competitive balance with a lot of upsets, because the teams that are always dominant are going to lose disproportionately more players who will sit out as they prepare for the NFL. And the teams that usually have no chance to compete will stand a potentially better chance. So I think from just about every perspective other than the sole goal of a small handful of teams to win the national championship or the opportunity for a very small handful of athletes to marginally increase their chances to play in the NFL, uh, I think it's a good move for everybody else. Hey, Steve, uh, good to hear your voice. This is Lauren. Uh, what has changed, what would have changed in another month or so 
from from the vote that the presidents took before. I mean, from a health standpoint, are we going to know any more about myocarditis, or, or are we going to know any more about the long-term uh, concerns? Well, at, no. Uh, the the short answer is I don't th- well, I don't think so, and I'm uh, I can barely I can't I won't even try on the air to pronounce the uh, scientific names uh, that you're that you're talking about. Uh, I think the uncertainty about how this was going to happen on campus, the uh, success to date of uh, control of athletes in bubbles, both at the pro and college level, and we see this around the world with athletes, um, suggests that the safety risks are going to be less. um, And specifically in today's news, if you're talking about a winter season, where the college football would begin around Thanksgiving, well, that's uh, when, for example, at Penn State, uh, Penn State's closing down at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and the rest of the semester will be remote because they right. don't want students going back home and then coming back. So the opportunities to test and protect students are going to be better. Um, I think most people predict that our availability of testing will improve. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's by any means certain we'll be able to have a winter or spring season, but I think the chances are better for doing that uh, than for the fall. Um, and um, and uh, and then hopefully we can move forward. The thing about the fall that has not been discussed, and I don't know what all the presidents are thinking, a key factor for presidents in thinking about college football is the opportunity to al- interact with alumni and donors during football weekends. That mm-hmm. is a huge opportunity to have people come to your campus and reach out. And if you're playing college football just as a, for a, just for the broadcast revenue, you are losing out on a lot of other things that the campus cares about. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you have to remember is that for most presidents, the broadcast revenue for football does not go to pay for any university academic activities. The broadcast revenue for football covers other athletic opportunities. So Josh Whitman is devastated by the bottom line. But your chancellor wants the opportunity to have football in a way to continue to reach out to donors and raise money for the English department and the law school and the engineering school. And that doesn't happen if there are no fans in the uh, stadium. And the fact that the broadcast money continues to come into the University of Illinois has traditionally been up to Josh Whitman to spend. Mm -hmm. And it's Josh Whitman's problem what happens if he doesn't have that. So I think another element that I'll be looking at going forward is how does this relate to the ability to bring some people back into the stands, into the boxes, uh, et cetera, so the universities can continue to reach out uh, to people who come back for football weekends. Steve, uh, in the past vote, I mean, we know where the – Penn State AD and coach were, because we know what they said. The parents and fans, we know where they stood. Um, where, where did what, what did the the president for Penn State did he vote or did he or she? I I don't know who it is. Was there a vote there, and uh, where did Penn State stand on that? Well, officially, there has not been any. Uh, my understanding is there's not been any official release. The news reports were that the vote was fourteen to two. 
among mm-hmm. the presidents. And uh, and Penn State President Eric Barron voted uh, with the majority um, uh, in that regard. Um, with regard to the parents, we know where the leadership of parents stand. The leadership of parents are some, and I think it's great parents are getting involved, but the leadership are parents of NFL prospects. Uh-huh. And okay. the uh, and there's 85 scholarship athletes and about 20 walk-ons on a typical college team. Right. And the interests of uh, NFL prospects other than the handful that are going to go very high. Micah Parsons is our All-American linebacker. He's a, he already announced he wasn't going to play mm-hmm. um, this year. Um, they want to help their kid advance. Perfectly understandable. I'd want it for my kid, too. That is a small fraction of the total student-athlete. And when you think about what is the purpose of college athletics for it is not as a training ground for the NFL. Uh, there's a, a few, small number of commentators, not you guys, but a small number of commentators who only watch college football to spot the best players for the NFL. That is not what the sport is about. And so I understand the frustration, and I would feel the same way if I had spent all this time and effort and I have you know, God-given talents that I've uh, been able to maximize so that I could be a first-round draft pick with a great season this fall, and now who knows what I'll be if I can't play this year. So I understand those parents and those kids, but we're talking, even at a school like Penn State, we're talking about maybe five to ten players. And at a school like Illinois, it's maybe a handful of players. And to have the entire season dictated by those people uh, strikes me as um, unwise policy. I understand why Coach Franklin is making these public statements, because those are the future recruits. So he needs to look like he is out front in advocating on behalf of elite players because of the continued pipeline of elite players he wants to come in, bring in. Talking with Professor Stephen Ross out at Penn State University, what does a ballpark, uh, what does a normal football Saturday in Happy Valley do for the local economy uh, and, of course, uh, the prospect of having uh, donors there that might eventually give more money to the university. What's a, a normal weekend uh, do for that uh, situation out there? Football well, weekend. we're sort of like Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, Penn, uh, we become the third biggest city in Pennsylvania uh, on football Saturdays. Over 75,000 people come into our community. Our community is 80,000, 40,000 permanent residents and 40,000 students. So we get in, we almost double in size. The number of restaurants and other retail stores who basically break even or lose money the rest of the year and stay in business because of football weekends is just a huge number of businesses that operate on that basis. Um, And the number of people who come from over three hours away for football Saturdays is just uh, just huge. Um, And then when you talk about the alumni and the opportunity to interact and, uh, and the memories people have and coming back and things like that, 
uh, that is just huge. And I'm sure it's the same way at Illinois. Uh, you know, virtually every dean, if you're not a sports fan, you become one when you're a dean at a major Big Ten university because entertaining uh, alumni and the opportunity to sit next to an alumnus during a football game uh, and make some, you know, witty comments about the, the, uh, the team, uh, listen to them regale you if you're a new dean about Dick Butkus or someone like that, and, uh, and then uh, share what you're doing and try to generate some enthusiasm for your educational projects I, it is just a huge part of the success of Big Ten universities. How do you think uh, the new commissioner... Commissioner Warren handled this uh, situation. Everybody would like at some point in their life a mulligan, a do-over. I'm wondering how he feels on that. Maybe did he did they pull the trigger too soon? What are your thoughts on the timing of it? Uh, too soon to tell. Uh, please invite me back anytime, but invite me back and ask me that question in two years uh, when we sort of see what exactly played out. I can give you a narrative where this is a disaster and was the first weakness sign that ultimately ends up with him leaving the job with no success in 18 to 24 months. I can give you a narrative where this is the first sign of quiet you know, brilliant, behind-the-scenes, putting-things-together leadership. Uh, I'm reminded on the second – I'm not saying it's true, but I'm reminded on the second story of Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig. He is this sort of rumpled, used-car owner from Milwaukee, and he was an owner, and now he's becoming the commissioner, and everybody thought it was a terrible thing, and he was so bad with PR, and there was some all-star game that he completely manhandled. In the end, his rumpled ways was able to, were able to unite the baseball owners – and what they've been able to do with broadcasting and streaming and stuff like that has proven him to be one of the most successful sports commissioners in in sports history. So just too early to tell on uh, the new commissioner. Steve, what are you working on these days as far as school's concerned? And are you doing stuff uh, online? Are you going to have any students in front of you? Or, and, and what do you uh, got? School has started, and I've got students in front of me. I'm teaching a class uh, – uh, uh, I'm teaching two law classes. The sports-related one is I'm teaching a class on global sports law, and I have about 20 students in a very large classroom uh, designed for 80 students, all spread out, wearing masks, uh, sanitizing when they come in. And then I have about six or seven students on remote, so we go back and forth between the live students and the remote students on Zoom. It takes me about 10 minutes to set up the whole thing. Uh, every day, and uh, we're talking about, uh, we're learning about uh, uh, comparisons of, of uh, things, curiosities in Europe that you don't see here. Uh, for those of your listeners who actually follow anything about Europe, the whole thing about Lionel Messi wants to leave Barcelona. He's got a year left in his contract. Well, if this was anybody in the United States, they would just play out their contract and become a free agent after one more year. And that would be the end of it. Maybe they'd have a small trade for one more year somewhere else. Um, um, that would be the end of it. It's a huge, completely different deal in Europe because the way they think about contracts are, uh, are completely different. So we're going to be talking about uh, that. Uh, since yesterday was Jackie Robinson Day, 
one of the things that I've been talking about, as Lauren may remember, I'm originally from Los Angeles, so I'm a Dodger fan. Uh, the Dodgers, the team of Jackie Robinson, have one African-American player on their team, Mookie Betts. And the lack of infrastructure to train and develop poor kids who cannot afford to play traveling elite baseball uh, as teenagers is a serious problem that I've been working on. Um, the reality is, if Roberto Clemente were 15-year-old today in Puerto Rico or Jackie Robinson were 15 years old today in Pasadena, California, they'd be playing basketball. They would never play baseball because they simply don't have the opportunities uh, to succeed. And here's a statistic your listeners may be interested in from it's about five years ago, but it talks about this lack of infrastructure. Uh, as of five years ago, there were more Mexicans than Mexican-Americans playing Major League Baseball because there's still a Mexican league that has an infrastructure to train poor kids to go forward, whereas if you're growing up in a poor uh, Latino community in the United States, you don't have that opportunity today. Well, Steve, we don't want to wait uh, two more years to have you back and find out how Warren did. <laughs> We've got to have you back sooner. But uh, we, we really appreciate uh, hearing from you, and, and uh, I, I guess uh, I, I want to ask you uh, one more time about the Penn State president. Will he vote favorably, do you think, the next time around? Uh, he keeps things pretty close to the vest, uh, and— um, I think he has a very careful balancing act because he's got such a high-profile athletic director who he picked. So he's vested in Sandy Barber's success. And he has a very high-profile coach whom he does not want to lose. A big talk around here is James Franklin has publicly stated, you know, his goal is to be the first African-American co uh, coach to win a college championship. And there's always a concern here that uh, that Penn State will lose him to a place outside the Big Ten where the path to a national championship is easier. I mean, that is one of the problems in college sports is, you know, you go to USC, you run the table in the Pac-12 South, and your chances of getting um, into the uh, college football playoff are much higher than if you're in the Big Ten where you uh, you got to go where the road goes through Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State and you know and then a powerful team from the Big 10 West so that's always a concern uh, uh that is always a concern out here um uh, about uh about how they're going to handle this so how he is going to vote is some I've never been able to predict uh, what uh, Big Ten uh, presidents vote here. The other problem uh, with um, Penn State is, and I don't know what Illinois does now, when Mort Weir was the chancellor back at uh, Illinois, and Lauren will remember this, um, uh, there was a, um, uh, he always had a senior aide responsible for athletics. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so he always had somebody who was in his office who he could trust, who spent a lot of time talking to faculty, students, athletic directors, probably Lauren on background, and got a sense of what was going on to brief him. Um, 
in the uh, for some uh, most university presidents don't do that so they make decisions that are way less informed than say a congressman would who has a staff person to advise them and quite frankly they would on other important issues you know he wouldn't make a major decision about research without talking to his vice president of research who knows all about research and he wouldn't make an important decision about undergraduate education without talking to his vice president for undergraduate education. But they rely on athletic directors who have another agenda themselves, and they really don't have somebody whose job it is to follow this and brief them. Um, I think that would be uh, much better uh, for all uh, presidents uh, to do. Stephen, we appreciate your time. And uh, again, we'll uh, do it again one of these days in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay, Steve. my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Great to see this show is still going on. It's such a great contribution to the conversation for uh, Illinois listeners. Thank Thanks, you. Steve. Great to hear from you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Pro- Professor Stephen Ross, Penn State Center for the Study of Sports in Society at the Penn State Law School. He's got a lot of thoughts on a lot of things. Yes, he does. He's a good guy, and uh, he, he, uh, he's been very involved with us going way back 20, 30 years. It is 9.52. We've got the phone lines open here until the top of the hour. If you want to jump in here real quick, 356-9397 is the number on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Speaking of Pella, they've got a relatively new uh, line of products called the Lifestyle Series, wood windows and patio doors that provide outstanding, uh, outstanding sound control and energy efficiency, all at a really good value. Most styles are available with a triple-pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. The uh, Pella Lifestyle Series windows and doors are designed to last for many, many years, finished with their exclusive EnduraGuard wood protection and EnduraClad aluminum-clad exterior. Pella Lifestyle Series incorporates everything you love about wood, the beauty, durability, and style flexibility. With the Lifestyle Series, you can customize a beautiful product that's right for your home. Give them a call at the Pella Window Store, 356-6474. You can make an appointment if you like. Their regular business hours, they're back to normal business hours, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment, Check them out online as well, if you'd like, at PellaOfChampagne.com, the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella Windows and Doors, serving homeowners and businesses in central Illinois for going on 50 years. Let's go back to the phones, say hi to our friend Marty down at Pinehurst, North Carolina. Marty, good morning. Good morning, Steve, and good morning to the sage of the sages. (laughs) What's going on, Marty? Which means you must have been a page at one time. <laughs> I probably was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, Steve, condolences and Lauren, too, on last night's ball game, which wasn't <laughs> much one. But like like you guys, I can't get as enthused about this short schedule change season anyway. Um, here's the thing that I know you can't prognosticate on it, perhaps, and no one dis- it brings it up much as you discuss when – athletics is going to get back and who's going to vote on what as i understand it there are three vaccines currently in their final trials one of which they're going to know something about probably in october and they are they are developing while they're still going through trials 100 million doses of each of those vaccines and there are a couple others that they'll know about in november so that could change a lot of what happens 
going forward as to when football happens, what happens with basketball, et cetera. So that needs to be in the back of some people's minds perhaps also. Well, I think the presidents will be aware, be made aware. They have uh, health experts telling them, leading them and uh, leading them by a hand. And I think they let them to call off the uh, season when they did. And I think those people will still be extremely valuable in, in, in the information that they provide the next time around, more so than anything else. <laughs> I think yeah, that'll be I, the most important thing. Yes, I, it seems to be to this, uh, to the Big Ten. And I, I understand why they did what they did. I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I think those athletes are safer uh, under the the football program and the basketball program, et cetera, than they would be just out in general population. And I think the testing the University of Illinois is doing, from what I'm hearing nationally, is top drawer, maybe tops in the country as to what they're doing on the campus. That's right. And with the testing there. And what I told so, Steve is, is this is being overlooked is that, that football can piggyback basketball. If they if they if they consider basketball a a contact sport, which they do, and football, which it is. yeah, which it is. Uh, if they they're going to first of all, there's going to be an announcement by Gabbett of around the 15th or 16th of September, which is just a couple of weeks off, that about the basketball season going forward. And then if the presidents vote to support the idea of playing basketball, to just say beginning in November, why, why wouldn't they then vote the same for football? Is there something that much different about football? I, you know, I could say maybe there is, but I, all I'm saying is I know that football is going to want to piggyback that basketball decision. Well, I, I don't think there is because Big Ten basketball is traditionally extremely physical and – there aren't any pegs on anything between you and the other person, basically. So if you can play basketball in the Big Ten, you can play football in the Big Ten. Now, of course, everything's up to the athletes' understanding that they have to watch their P's and Q's, but I think they're doing that, at least from the sound of what Brad Underwood said. Right. So I think you've got a good point there, Lauren. As always, that's why you're the sage of the sages. <laughs> so anyway, did you, you um, were you job. affected by the weather down there, the the hurricane down there? Uh, we're getting affected today. We're going to have a few severe storms through. It's just been when hurricanes go through the Gulf in North Carolina, what you get is tons of humidity because it drives humidity from the Gulf up here. And then as it comes through the central U.S., it eventually comes this way and brings rain and, and just sticky, cruddy weather. But it's not any different than, I mean, strangely, Steve, North Carolina and Illinois are very similar in the summer, temperature-wise and and heat-wise, the only difference is here you will get some spinners, little circular weather patterns from off the coast where you'll, you'll get counterclockwise weather with bands of rain coming through periodically. It's, it's a little different than Midwest where everything comes from the west and southwest. But uh, it's very similar. All right, Marty, good to hear from you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Moving up towards the top of the hour, Lauren came close. You you don't know this, but you came close to hosting this show this morning by yourself. What happened? Because uh, you kind of ticked me off last night. I did. I was watching the Cardinal game, <laughs> and it was six to two, and they scored. You know, Cleveland scored four in the first, and uh, you know that. It was ten to two was, when I well, when, I, <laughs> when I contacted you. Yeah, it was, but I kind of turned it off at six to two, and then Lauren sends me a text. I feel a rally coming on. <laughs> 
So I turned it back on. It was I, gotta tell you, I was watching a movie. <laughs> I said, I got your rally. <laughs> Better rally up and host the show by yourself. It is uh, 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one is in the books. We're off with hour number two after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're headed towards 11 o'clock, 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to jump in with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, one hour in the books and leading off hour number two, a good friend of ours and the bureau chief of the Denver Bureau for this uh, particular program. <laughs> Paul Klee is on the line with us. He's not a stringer, not just a stringer. He's the bureau chief. Good morning, Paul. That's uh, that's the nicest thing anyone said about me today, Steve. Thank you. Great to talk to you guys. <laughs> it's early yet. Somebody will say something nicer, but always good to to hear from you. And we've got several things we'd like to talk about. Uh, I know that uh, you're in Big Twelve country out there and and such, but you still follow Big Ten football. And your thoughts on on the status of Big Ten football or lack thereof right at the moment? Yeah, guys, what? Why aren't we playing? <laughs> That's my um, that's my thoughts on the matter. I'm trying to figure out why I can't watch the Illini next weekend. Yeah, uh, it would have been I've next looked... Thursday night that, uh, against Ohio State was the, the first scheduled game. But uh, did you do you have a, you asked the question? But do you have an answer to it? I you know, boy, I've, I've covered the heck out of these um, stoppages and restarts and postponements and cancellations and the best thing i can come up with is politics that's that's what i can come up with let me give you an example steve i did this column about a week ago when uh, colorado decided to postpone fall sports namely football and volleyball to the spring and i broke it down state by state and here's what we got We've got 24 of 26 states with Republican governors are going to play fall football. We've got seven of 24 Democrat-led states going to play in the fall, in the spring. So I don't know how more clear it can be. (laughs) That, to me, is as obvious an example as I can get of these things are being driven by people that are not directly involved with athletics. They're involved with other matters. And I think it's a huge bummer that the Big Ten is not playing. I think it's a big mistake. I really do. I think it's the biggest mistake the Big Big Ten has made in my lifetime. And uh, it's very unfortunate. You know, the people I think about, I I got to live above the Esquire, my favorite bar in America, for six (laughs) years. And I saw the difference between a Saturday home game and no Saturday home game. And those are the people that I'm feeling for because they're the ones in these small Big Ten communities or mid-sized Big Ten communities that are really going to feel the pinch. Yeah, I talked to Bob that runs the Esquire the other day. I said, Bob, you making any money? He says, not a dime. He said, we're just making enough to pay the uh, the help, and we don't want to lose the help. We want to help them. But he said, I'm not making anything. Well, I Bob's done well over the years. I'm not worried about him, but he did make that mm-hmm. comment. Uh, I think mm-hmm. what was said before uh, about the fact that 
some of those places at Penn State. We just talked to Steve uh, Ross, and he said uh, many of the restaurants there just kind of break even the rest of the year, but during the football season, that's when they make it. And it's too bad because it's it's really disappointing to see so many people lose out financially and lose their jobs. And, you know, and and not only that, Mm -hmm. the number of people that are being laid off at uh, at at the in the Department of Athletics. It's just, mm-hmm. it's yeah, and I, and I think it would it, we could stomach it maybe a little bit better if there was some evidence or you know data that had been used for this. But it it just seems like the the Big Ten is it's hiding from that. And you know, I, I, it's got to be a really difficult situation for Kevin Warren. My goodness, did they lose Jim Delaney at the wrong time? Yeah. But it, it's you know I watched the BTN interview and I followed it very closely and. I, we just need some answers on it, you know. We we need, an, a, I guess, an explanation of why this has happened. That's the biggest failure to me. Well, what's happening in high school? In terms of high schools in Colorado, are they playing? They're not. No, they're not. They said about two weeks ago that Chasa, which is the Colorado version of, you know, the governing body of high school athletics, they moved it all to the to the spring. So that's football will be played in the spring and. You know, I wrote a column the other day with this football academy development camp that business is booming, as you can imagine, because these, these guys can't play. Um, but the, the gentleman who's in charge of it, Tim Jenkins, he played in the NFL for a while. He's still adamantly against the idea of moving football to the spring because signing days before that. So you got some guys like there's a quarterback. He just moved out of Denver up to Iowa so he can play his in, entire really? family moved up there and he is a big time talent and it wouldn't surprise me if he's playing for iowa state or iowa in the in the near future sure but they're uprooting and they're moving around they went to nebraska another family went to wyoming so they're leaving colorado which is a stark contrast to what colorado's seen over the last 15 years where everybody's moving here some of them are moving out Talking to Paul Klee out in Denver, your thoughts on yesterday's news that the, the Big Ten was thinking about or at least looking at a plan to maybe start Thanksgiving weekend. And Lauren and I were talking before the show, if you can start then, why not push it back to October? But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm a Debbie Downer today, but I, I don't – what does that accomplish? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's the only thing it shows is that it's after November 3rd. That, that's all it is. It's after the election. The, the, you're going to have Oklahoma and Clemson playing for, you know, a spot in the, or in the college football playoff when, goodness, I mean, who's Ohio State going to be playing? The week three game or something? You know, that that is going to – I saw negative recruiting in the Big Ten. It wasn't as – it wasn't like it was now as much. I mean, you had some negative recruiting. The smart programs didn't do it because then you're just advertising for the program you're recruiting against. But I'm telling you, the Pac-12 is getting crushed right now, crushed. And I don't see how some of these Big Ten schools are going to go down to Louisiana and Florida and Alabama and get players. That's always been tough as it is. But now you got the ultimate recruiting tool, which says the Big Ten isn't serious about football. And that's going to be really difficult to overcome. And it kills me because, you know, you know how I feel about Big Ten football, man. I love it. And I know how you feel about uh, college basketball, too. What are your thoughts on, on that, and how do you think that will play out? 
Well, thank goodness that the Big Ten coaches stood up and said they're not going to do what the Pac-12 did. And what the Pac-12 did was they, you know, more or less they erased the non-conference schedule. They're not allowed to play until until January. Well, aren't they going to change that? Aren't they going to? Hopefully. Isn't there a redo coming? I hope so, because this is a it, catastrophic, seems like <laughs> hyperbole, but it's not. It's it's not, because you got a team like CU, and the Buffs got a very veteran, experienced, talented group coming back. They had Kansas coming in. They had a really good Pepperdine team that can finish second in the West Coast coming in. They got Colorado State, and they've got one of the best teams they've had in a long time. And when I, you know, Tad Boyle, the coach up there, he said, at, you know, his reaction was I was in shock and disbelief because, you know, I watch all these press conferences just like you do with the Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and all this. And one point they drive home is how this changes daily or weekly. So why would you make a decision, in my opinion, that's three months out? You know, maybe that it comes down to it in late October where you say we can't do it. We'll do it then, but don't do it in August. This, that's a really damaging thing for these West Coast basketball programs. Think if you're a five-star guy, I'm taking the Pac-12 off my list. I'm not even thinking about going to the Pac-12 because if you have one season in college and they can take away half of it, that's a dagger. We had uh, Brad Underwood on uh, in the first hour of the show this morning, and we talked about several uh-huh. things, including what he called a soft bubble idea of uh, of playing college basketball that way. And it looks like that might be something that's being considered and might be doable. Your thoughts? I think so. You know, I've talked to a handful of college coaches that that seems to be the way that they're leaning. It could be a regional type thing. You could, I think what you're going to see is some of the powerhouses get together and try and put together a six, 18 bubble, something like that, where you can pull that off, you know, whether that's Louisville or Dallas, or it won't be in Denver because this is pretty strict over here, but I think that's the direction you could see some of those blue bloods go. Um, and I hope so. You know, I really hope so, because that could be some some really good ball at a time when you could kind of hog the spotlight a little bit over a five- or six-day period. So I think we're going to come to our senses. I, I do think eventually people are going to see this for what it is. It's not what's best for the athletes. It's what's best for political affiliation. And I hopefully they come around because I want to see this Illinois team play. I think they're going to be really good. Visiting with Paul Klee. Now tell me about, and our listeners, about your new endeavor with Woody Page out there. You're branching out a little bit. Uh, let's learn more about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was about time we, we gave Woody a chance to make his, a name for himself <laughs> in this industry. So I wanted to... I wanted to prop him up a little bit and, you know, get him in a big sports market like Denver and see what he can do. But we're, we're, uh, we're launching the, the Denver Gazette. It's uh, with our company right now, the Colorado Springs Gazette. It's going to be a separate newspaper, uh, online only. And it, it, it will debut, uh, with the Broncos on September 14th. So guys, I'm, I'm just thrilled with this I, at a time when a lot of places are cutting back, unfortunately, uh, Phil Anschutz, our owner of the Gazette, has decided he wants to expand. So I feel very lucky to be a part of that with Woody. And how will this uh, how will this be different from what you've been doing? Yeah, you know my my job doesn't really change because I'm up here in Denver and I work with these Denver teams, the Rockies, Nuggets, Mavs, and Broncos. But it's uh, it's an online only 
newspaper. So it's a digital newspaper that you can get on your phone, get on your computer. Um, the first three months are going to be free. Then we'll go to a subscription model with very few ads. And uh, I'm very optimistic about it. Uh, not many places are able to put more resources into their publications right now. So um, it's a good time also because Denver got good all of a sudden, you know. The Broncos should be a lot better than they have been. The Nuggets are in the postseason. The Avs, you know, they're a favorite to win the Cup. So it's a good time to do something like this. And we'll have news and sports. It'll be called the Denver Gazette. You mentioned uh, the Broncos. We've got a caller for you in Urbana. Tim has a question about the uh, Broncos. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, hey. Paul, uh, uh, tell me about, are, is, is the Broncos satisfied with how John Elway's progressing the team? And, um, you know, the talent they have on the team, they're going to be able to compete with Kansas City. And then my other question is, is the governor going to open up the ski slopes, tell you ride? Steamboat Gunnison, because uh, my cousin lives in Boulder, and we like to go skiing. So I'll hang up and listen to your answer, but I really wanted to hear your opinion on how John – what do you think how John Elway's doing? Thanks. Well, these are these are my kinds of questions here, <laughs> skiing and football. Uh, I'll go with skiing first because we need to put the important stuff first. Uh, what it looks like to me is they're going to have a reservation system uh, to kind of limit the number of skiers and snowboarders up there because people are really itching to get outside. I, I, I try and get up there to the mountains quite a bit, and I've never seen it as busy as it has been over the last five months. I thought it was going to be the opposite, where people were going to hunker down, but they're out fly fishing and hiking and doing all that stuff. Uh, with the with Elway, he was under a little fire here, and that was something that, you know, 12-year-old me would never have envisioned. But uh, he he's turned it around. They've drafted offense the last several drafts. They've got some really good players on that side finally. And I think you're going to see a big year from Vaughn Miller. So I see a team that can win nine games, maybe ten games if they get lucky. But Kansas City's still the they're still the beast of the West. I, I don't think anyone in that division can touch Kansas City at the moment. Okay, uh, what do you hear, Paul, about Rick George? How's he doing at Colorado's athletic director? <laughs> he, is, he is a level-headed, sensible, reasonable man. Because what he's facing right now is nothing of that sort. Uh, he's gone kind of with the conference and said, we got to do what they want to do. But, you know, Lauren, you know Rick as well as anybody. And he wants to play last week. You know, he they've put protocols in place. I know the Illinois Athletic Department has done the same that are just so impressive. You know, they had all their basketball players on campus throughout the summer. They never had an issue, never had a positive test. And it's just unfortunate that the Pac-12 made the decisions as they are. I think it's going to be really difficult to overcome in the long term. But I'm a big fan of Rick George. He's done extraordinary things in Boulder. That's not an easy place to win either. Is Do you see any uh, realignments in the future? Would Col Is Colorado happy in the Pac-12 with all those West Coast teams? I think if they had a mulligan, like I have to take at the orange and blue, they never leave the Big 12. Yeah, that, That's that's my opinion. I think they stay in the Big 12. I think they're playing this week. The the geography, the footprint, it just fits them better than the Pac-12 have. I mean, they've, they've had one winning season in the last decade, you know, on the football side. It's been really hard for them to get any kind of momentum because you can't go into California and take kids anymore. That's what they did when they were good in the 90s, you know, Texas, California, and Michigan. 
and they're not able to do that now. So I think if they had a do-over, they'd rethink it and they'd stay right where they were. Back to Illinois basketball with the uh, decision of Iowa DeSumo to come back and Kofi Coburn as well. Um, did the Iowa decision surprise you uh, at all from watching from afar? You know, it did. Um, I don't know about watching from afar, but just what I had been told that that was a decision that was made. It was a two-year deal, you know, and he was gonna he's gonna be gone, and probably the only thing that brought him back is this pandemic. You know, it might be the only silver lining that we have. But Steve, it was absolutely the right decision. Yeah. There, there's no question that he's going to benefit from developing with those guys because I do think that player development is is pointing up for Illinois. Guys seem to get better there. So um, I'm glad he came back. I'm really glad the big fella came back because he needed to as well. NBA guys, maybe maybe the guard goes mid-second, you know, because of what he could become if he develops a jump shot. But this was the right decision for those two guys. And right now I've got them at number 12 in the preseason poll with with a great chance to move up. What's your favorite? You've been in Colorado now how many years? How long? Boy, uh, Peyton's first year. So 2012 was when I left the love of my life, Lauren Tate, and uh, came back home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad I could bring you two back together occasionally. <laughs> a little weekend of romance. <laughs> What's the favorite part of your job? What is there a you know a columnist doesn't really have a beat, so it's hard to ask. A, is there a favorite sport that you like to cover? But what is it, I guess I'll just ask it. Is there? Do you like covering football better, hockey better, whatever's in season? Or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, the best part of this job is they never tell me what to do. I can write about anything I want. So I I go up to Boulder when UCLA comes in or Oregon comes in and write college basketball because that's where my heart is. And I think uh, my dad and a couple friends read that column here uh, because that's about the interest level in college in college athletics sometimes. But uh, my favorite thing it, it kind of changes. I, I tell you what, I really got into the last three or four years was uh, this avalanche team in the NHL. Now hockey is a blast to cover. You know, they've got great personalities. Uh, It's a, it's so much fun to attend the games. There's nothing like the Stanley cup playoff. I think it's the best tournament in sports. Um, But if I had to pick one thing, it's still college basketball and and recruiting. I, I, I love those areas and I think they're important areas. Because you can watch a guy like Myers. You know, I'm, I'm watching Myers real close in the bubble. And I, I get to cross paths with Myers Leonard every once in a while. He's such a, just a standout human. You know, he, he has matured to the point where uh, he, he's just so impressive. And how he stood for the anthem the other day, when that now is the courageous thing to do, which is crazy to me. But I just love how he's handled himself. He's really happy in his life. So when you, you're watching, you know, these recruiting guys come up from when they're 14 years old was the first time I met him to being grown men, it's, it's really satisfying to see. So it sounds a little cheesy and silly, but that's still my favorite thing to cover is college basketball and recruiting. Well, I think you, you grew up at Gonzaga. That's, that's your problem. You'll never get over <laughs> that probably. But uh, I want you to, uh, when you talk to Woody, I want you to tell him what Larry Stewart told me when we started this show. 
Larry's told me, he said, just remember one thing. I'm in charge. You tell Woody that. <laughs> I just wanted to give him an opportunity. You know, <laughs> I don't think he's had enough chances. That's pretty clever. That's pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> how, how often do you actually see Woody? You oh, get... Yeah, in person. Ever? In person? Well, we, he texted me this morning and said, we got to talk. So I don't know if I'm in trouble <laughs> or not. But, um, yeah, we see each other pretty often. It, it's tough these days. He's pretty hunkered down in his uh, at his house, and that's been difficult. Um, but it's been a it's been a joy to work with him. I've been lucky. He's the second best columnist I've ever worked mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. He's the best, no doubt about it. <laughs> All right, Paul. We always appreciate catching up with you. And uh, by the way, I know you know this, but uh, your former uh, roommate Marcus Jackson had a birthday uh, this past week. So I'm did. I'm guessing you you were on top of that. Yes, he's past me now. He's much older than I am, <laughs> is what I told MJ. I miss that guy, though. I miss everybody at the News Gazette. Well, we miss you, too, and uh, it's great talking to you, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Right on, fellas. Have a great Saturday. You, too. Paul Clee, sports columnist in Denver, Colorado. Again, uh, the uh, new endeavor is called Denver Gazette. We'll start with the uh, pro football season in mid-September. You can Search that out. It is 1025. We'll take a break here as we approach the bottom of the hour. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back with more after this. 1028, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock. We've got another guest lined up here. We'll get to Jeff Patrikas in Milwaukee in just a moment, but let's take a call from Jim. Hey, Jim, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, gents, how you doing today? I, I wish I could ask Paul the, the question because I, I think it's interesting, the litmus test, when I hear everybody, they say they want games to be played. And I agree. I wish I wish we were – I mean, I, I, I want Big Ten football to be played in the fall. But the, 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 the key question is – and I, I wish Paul, you guys would ask Paul this. Well, okay, you want the games to be played? Yeah. Well, the games are played. And then what happens in today's society? The, the issue is the social justice message. And people don't think that that's going to resonate on college campuses uh, in Illinois. You don't, think, you, you don't think the Illini student-athletes, some of those student-athletes are going to take a stand on that, and they're going to wear the Black Lives Matter T-shirts. And then for, for me, I wanted to follow the Iowa story this fall where you had a coach basically – not allow his players to utilize social media. I'm talking about Ferens. And then we come all the way full circle where he talks about potentially allowing University of Iowa football players to kneel during the national anthem. They, they were talking about making a, a, a final decision on that as a team. And, and that, that's why I, I asked the Illini fan base, you, you want the games to be played Okay, but remember when the games are going to be played, don't start whining about kids taking a stand on these social justice uh, issues because that's what's going to happen in this uh, school year, definitely, regardless of when the games are going to be played. You, you, you see people getting mad about the NBA. Well, they wanted the games to be played. They want Major League Baseball to be played. Well, they're being played, and now everybody is whining about these players taking a stand. Well, that's I mean, do you think that? Well, not everybody's whining. Not everybody's whining. Well, I know, but I'm just saying. (laughs) There are a lot of people that support them. 
Well, I, I agree, but you hear the constant people that are saying, uh, if they do that, I'll, I'm never coming back. Well, and I'm just if they saying, don't want to come back, that's it, okay. Well, that's that, but I'm I'm saying people when they say want they want the games to be played in the Big Ten, there's always an asterisk with it, though, is what I'm saying. As long as those players don't take a stand on anything, I haven't that's heard issue. that. And then but... the only other question, I, well, I, I yeah, the only other question I have is the Power Five conferences are going to the, the Power Five conference revenue generators of football and basketball are going to be fine. They're not going to be hurt by any of this, regardless of when they play. You know, I because I'd like to don't, really don't find out. Don't say that. Don't say that. There, there are people but, but, losing but, but, their but jobs. There are, there are teams being cut. There, there. I saw the other. How many people in Nebraska were, were furloughed? 50, 51. 51 people. Yeah, but, but I'm don't talk- say that they're not hurt. They're killed. But, but I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the football. I'm talking about direct football and basketball staffs. Now, I realize the, the, the other sports that don't generate revenue, yes, they're going to be impacted. But I'm talking about the real impact in all this is the Division three and the Division two and the junior college programs. And I'm talking about football and basketball and those venues where kids are not going to get the opportunity to play at those locations. The elite players, the blue chip kids are always going to be able to find a place to play. But the other kids... If this pandemic continues on, I'm telling you the Division Three and the Division Two and the junior college programs and the NAIA programs, they're going to be wiped out, in my opinion. So, I, I mean, I think college basketball and college football elite, those, those elite programs, those elite conferences with those sports are going to be all right. Now, I'm, I, I agree with you on the other sports, you know, women's volleyball, uh, golf, wrestling, those programs are going to, yeah, of course, they're, they're going to be impacted. But basketball and football, are not going to be impacted in the long run. That's just my opinion. I don't see that changing. Jim, we appreciate your call. Our next guest, I think, is going to have some uh, thoughts on that as well. Jeff Patrikis is with us from Milwaukee, the uh, Journal Sentinel. Jeff was uh, one of the guys that uh, broke the story about uh, the Big Ten now considering Thanksgiving weekend. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, let's get your, uh, your overall thoughts on the latest news about uh, the Big Ten considering maybe a Thanksgiving weekend start to play and uh, how that uh, story came about and what do you think overall of that uh, particular strategy that's on the table? And uh, they're still looking at uh, January start as well, I would guess. Yeah, I'm not surprised that the coaches are are looking at options. I mean, uh, Ryan Day from Ohio State and Jeff Brown from Purdue Weeks ago, came out with their own, you know, individual plans. Uh, Brown's more thorough. And then um, we reported, I think, a little more than a week ago that the January plan was one that was really getting a, a good look with, you know, eight game, an eight-game season. Um, so I'm not surprised they're working to come up with options. I was surprised when I was told the other day um, that there, one of the options included something this fall. I mean, Thanksgiving weekend. That one kind of caught me off guard. I didn't think we'd see them try to get up and running that soon. Um, but whatever plans they are discussing, it all comes back to a couple of things. Do the medical people sign off on it? Are the, are the virus numbers good? Do you have rapid testing? And that's, that's one of the key things that Big Ten officials and, and people at the University of Wisconsin have told us is that, and Barry Alvarez has been adamant about this, is that if you have a rapid test where, say, you have an athletic event at 3 in the afternoon, you test your athletes that morning, whatever the sport is, um, and everybody's clean, and the other team tests their athletes, and everybody's clean, you can take the field confident you're going to be okay um, because you can get that test back in an hour. Now, the latest 
test approved by the Food and Drug Administration is going to be $5 a pop with a 15-minute turnaround time. Now, those should be in mass production by October. Um, but if you have something like that, that everyone's called that a game changer. And then you can be more confident that kids are healthy. Do you see that happening all, all across, including Rutgers, Maryland, all, Nebraska? You see this all the way across? The well, test- here's the thing. The, it, the rapid test will be available as quickly as Abbott Labs can make them available. But here's the thing we have to be um, cognizant of as well. If the virus numbers are bad in a particular state and the medical people at those universities, say say Iowa, because Iowa's numbers are spiking right now, um, and their medical people say it's not safe for our kids to take the field, that might be a problem because it's not, as we've seen, in different parts of the country, you have hot spots in one place and things that are a little more under control in other places. So that's another factor that, that needs to be considered. Well, we're, you know, on one hand, you're talking about going into a season and maybe having a spike that would cause a game to be called off. Or uh, what I'm concerned about is the, the initial decision by the presidents. Will there be enough health information here, improvement, for the presidents to have a to for a majority of the presidents to vote basketball back in and 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 I I think they could put piggyback football right on it if basketball works I would think football would pass too what do you think Well I think pe- basketball people are are starting to get optimistic for a couple reasons one you have fewer you have fewer people that are involved on a team mm-hmm. and if you have any travel you have a much smaller traveling party and it sounds like there are at least discussions or consideration of, of having some sort of bubble as much as you can have at the college level. Maybe you use a facility and you send four teams there and you play some games in a certain number of days and then you move on to the next facility. So will, will that be the case? I don't know. We're going to get a little more guidance on basketball probably by mid-September as far as potential starting dates uh, from the NC2A. Right. Football, to me, it's going to be it, – it, there's a story on, on the wire today um, that we may have, it's possible now that we may have vaccines by the end of the year, by the absolute end of this year, which is sooner than anybody anticipated. So this stuff is changing rapidly. So when you ask about the college presidents, it's tough to say what they're going to be able to do in a month because things could be radically different from now to a month from now. Tell us about Alvarez. Is uh, he seems to, he's a leader in in, in Madison and in Wisconsin. Uh, can he? What's his influence in terms of the president there? As far as the presidents, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go there. Now maybe his own president or chancellor, but you know he's not going to walk into a room and convince the you know the the fourteen presidents or chancellors across the the Big Ten to do his bidding. Yeah, I just now, meant his own. Does he have, yeah, does he have uh, credibility with the other athletic directors, with all the current football coaches? Absolutely. Is he involved in working on alternative schedules um, since the, the Big Ten shut down the revamp schedule for the 2020 season? Yes. So, yes, he's involved. Um, but, you know, the college presidents and chancellors aren't going to just say, okay, Barry, whatever you want, here we go, we'll give it to you. It's too early to uh, determine how the Big Ten is going to come off looking in this situation. It could uh, turn out that they were ahead of their time. It could be that uh, they take a PR hit. You have some thoughts on on the way this has played out so far. I guess it's it's too early to really figure out how it's going to end up. 
Yeah, a couple thoughts. One, if if I would have been in charge, I would not have shut everything down on August 11th when they did. Because I was surprised by that because if you remember when they announced the schedule and they talked, all they talked about was we've got a flexible schedule. That if, the, if we have to pause, if we have to push the start date back, if we have to delay things, we can do that. We've built all this flexibility into our schedule. Six days later, there was no discussion of that flexibility. We're shutting things down, and the answers were very vague. The, the release about why there was a shutdown was eight paragraphs long. The Pacific 12 came out with their release. They had a 12-page document on their website explaining all the medical issues that they took into consideration. 12 pages versus eight paragraphs. That, that's ridiculous. So that surprised me. But I, I wouldn't have hit the nuclear option. I would have paused things. Um, and then the communication since then has been, has been muddled at best at times or non-existent. So the Big Ten has taken a hit to, to this date. But no one knows if the SEC, the Big 12, and the, and the ACC are going to finish the season. Yep. So to, to, for people to come out and make a definitive statement that the Big Ten is going to pay for this for years is ridiculous. That's like saying at a basketball game, up, oh, first media timeout, down 10, game over. That's yep. ridiculous. That's what they're doing. Tell, tell me where you think we stand. I say we, the Big Ten, stands if they try to bring uh, basketball and football both back around Thanksgiving, are there enough slots, uh, TV slots, to, to sell those? I think so. I think so. And, and that's, one of the, that's one of the reasons, you know, when we're talking about for football, the January versus November plan, you, when you're working with the TV people, the TV people are going to say to you, look, we really like this plan. We can make this work for you. And, and that, is gonna, that should be a factor as well in the discussions. I, what I think is going to – I don't know that the NC2A is going to say – when we're talking about starting up basketball. I don't think the NC2A or the Big Ten is going to say, hey, let's try to coordinate this with football. The NC2A is going to say, these are the dates or this is the timeline we think we can get things up and running safely. Mm-hmm. And the rest will fall into place. That that will be their, that should be, it better be their number one concern for basketball. This is when we think we can start it safely in terms of practice and then start the season safely. And if it matches up with football, it does. If it doesn't, so be it. Well, Jeff, congratulations on being out in front on, on this and being leading us to the point we are right now. Uh, now I'll ask you, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> now that you've got us this far, is, is this going to work? Is it going to work in th- by Thanksgiving? Even before the Thanksgiving plan came out, I was optimistic that they would be able to start some, something up in January because with the improvements and advances in testing that we're seeing, that made me optimistic. And then when the news broke, I think it was, I don't know what day it was, but the news broke about that new test, $5 a pop, 15-minute turnaround time. That made me really optimistic. And I even put that on Twitter as soon as I saw that story because testing is just a huge component. So I'd, I'd probably be more comfortable putting my money on the January plan. But now that I know they're even considering something in November, nothing will surprise me. And people ask about November. Remember, kids are going to be going home. Campus is going to be clearing out. So if you try to play with sports, specifically football, November and December, there are going to be students there anyway. So it's going to be sort of a little bubble. So that's another factor to consider. But I'd probably put my money on January at this point. I'd feel more comfortable. But nothing's out of, nothing is impossible right now, the way things are changing so rapidly. Hey, Jeff, I know you've been busy the last few days and uh, weeks. We appreciate you taking time with us. Thank you. 
All right, guys. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Patrikas from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. If you really got an itch for college football, there's a game today against uh, Austin P taking on Central Arkansas. I see Central it, Arkansas has got two games the first week, and they're less than seven days, too. This game is tonight, actually. Yeah. And um, they got another game coming up right after it. They're playing in Montgomery, Alabama tonight on ESPN. They've got the, the whole stage <laughs> of college football watchers. Yep. 1044, we'll take a timeout. Be back with more. An open line the rest of the way. If you want to jump in, 356-9397 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 1046 here on DWS. Phone lines are open the rest of the way, 356-9397. Let's go back to the phones. Carl calling in Urbana. Hey, Carl. Hey, uh, Steve, Lauren. Uh, I did. I wanted to correct something Lauren said several weeks ago that he's only missed one show on Saturday. I I, could, I said I could only remember missing one. I didn't say okay, I only missed you, one. I have no memory of it. <laughs> I can't remember well, back forty two years. Okay. You missed one in nineteen ninety five after Illinois lost in Albany in the NCAA tournament. Okay. You, you interpret both missed that show because you were flying back. Okay. If you say so, I so, don't disagree with you. I I forget who Eleanor lost to, but it was Lou Henson's last NCAA tournament game. Okay. Well, Carl, you keep a track of stuff like that. this. You got a <laughs> you got a notebook with these kind of things in it. <laughs> I don't have any no, idea. No, it's just uh, it's just I remember things. Okay. What uh, what are your thoughts anyway. on uh, Big Ten football? You got any? Well, I think. Uh, starting in Thanksgiving is a little late because you have finals coming up and stuff. But that's because it's only Thanksgiving is only like what one two weeks away from finals, so it's going to be very hard to play football that way. Well, well I th- I think that there uh, there all those finals are going to be online. Fact is, that most of the play- uh, most of the athletes, football and basketball for Illinois are on. Are taking online classes anyway. We that's what uh, Underwood said about basketball yesterday, and we know from what we hear in football, many of those athletes are not going into classrooms. Okay, but still, finals are difficult to prepare for. Yeah, and it takes time. That's right. So, All right, Carl. So thanks. I remember my friend. Bye. Yeah. See you. Didn't mean to cut Carl off there. He was going down memory lane there again, but. Uh, if you want to jump so in. I missed the show in 1995, huh? Yeah. Oh, well. So it's told. So it's reported. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could see that happening because there are times with, if Illinois played on a Friday night, which was probably the case, and the team got back late or whatever, and you were traveling with the team sure. or, sure, or didn't possible. come back until the next day, those kind of things happen. So even if it's two, that's pretty. I, I would guess that I've probably – since uh, 1979, I've probably missed two or three shows. I probably have. I mean, I'm saying probably. That's I still amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I know I missed one for my granddaughter's wedding. I know that. Since that, I came back and, and, and took over with you, I've missed one when my son got married. Yeah. But uh, Those marriages do it to you, don't they? They do. <laughs> three, five, six, nine, three, nine, seven is the number. We've got a couple of callers. 
I've lost my communication on uh, their their name, so let's take a uh, caller on line one. Hey, you. You're on the air. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, is this me? It's yeah. you. Okay. I had a question, which I'd like to hear your answers, and it's kind of academic now. It's actually a little more of an interesting question. Than it would have been before our basketball players came back, and it would have been nice to ask the coach, except it's really a question he can't really answer. But... Who do you think was actually more important for the team to come back, Io or Kofi? Oh, boy, that's a good question. What do you think, Steve? Well, I think Io was the most important, but uh, I, you know, I, can make I think it's 1A one one and 1A. I can make an argument. You need to, got plenty of guards, but you surely yeah, need a center. That's true. But Io's a better player. But, boy, oh, boy. Uh, and from a leadership standpoint, and uh, I think Io's the key guy there. But uh, – and. Uh, it's kind of a bonus because I think we'd all thought that he's the one that was not coming back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, but Steve, I'm I'm going to lean the other way. I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. And the only reason I am is because Iowa's a better player, but Illinois has no center. I mean, they have they can throw Georgie in there, but he'd be alone. <coughs> I mean, the other centers haven't proven themselves at all. Right. And the young centers, and and I, they're not, they're simply not ready. I think I, I think what you're going to find is these two new guards they brought in this year are going to be really valuable. Not saying they're better than Io, but they're better shooters. <laughs> if I dare say that, right? Miller's a better shooter. Anything else, Alan? No, I mean actually, um, I agree almost 100 percent with Lauren. That was sort of the way I was thinking that Io is great, but we got a lot of guards, but we were missing a lot of size, and maybe that's the way it was was uh, was going to be. But we, at least that's not a question we're going to have to worry about. Nope. Okay, appreciate the, the call. call. Thank you. Let's jump back. Marty must be having a slow morning down in uh, Pinehurst. <laughs> He's back on the line with us. All hey, right. Marty. It is slow. Hey, I, I hate to do it too, but Steve, I hate to gang up on you, but I got to agree with Lauren. You remember two years and three years ago how many easy buckets Illinois gave up and how badly they got beat inside without a big man there? Sure. You, be, you better think on that one again. Without <laughs> that big guy in there, if Iowa would have been back and Kofi wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been pretty. Hey, I didn't think on it very much to begin with. I'm not going to think on it again. Somebody okay. just, uh, That's just, not why I called, though. Just popped the okay. question. I need, the, I need you two guys. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. When I called in maybe five weeks ago or so, Ed Bond told me that he thought there was political games being played with athletics by Democratic governors ahead of this election, and I think I just heard Paul Klee kind of verify that. So I think you guys need to give Ed Bond a pat on the back. Oh, he's been patting himself. He broke his arm patting himself on the back. He's here right now. Why don't you just give it to him? He's sitting right next to us. Go ahead, Marty. Hi, Marty. Ed, Ed, you were on top of that. It had to be five or six weeks ago. We were talking while I was waiting to go on the air. And you were on top of that. And if Paul Klee verifies it, I mean, there's an unbiased source right there. You must be on top of things. You got any predictions coming up for the next two or three weeks? I just wish I had given the idea to the Trump campaign before the Biden campaign falsely accused the president oh, of shutting you down. Hold on. We're not, we're not going down that wait, road. Wait, you're breaking Lauren's rule of staying out of politics. <laughs> Gosh darn it. You're breaking uh, Steve's I rule. Apologize and Steve's for punch- this ruckus. <laughs> Steve's running this show. Steve's punching the buttons. I, I, I got Ed stirred up. But, but Ed, you were on top of it. And I, I hate to say it, Ed, but I think you really were right. I think there's a lot of politics being played with this. Because well, if you notice the same time, you look the at the map. You, know, it's, you look at the map, and it's identically. That's the way it traces. It you know you can't say anything different. 
Yeah, and at the same time, the Democratic campaign has been trying to blame the COVID virus as their big issue for the whole campaign while they've been holding things back. Kind of interesting, but I'll let you guys go, and I'm saying great job this morning. I hate to call in twice, but I just had to, Ed. Okay. Well, we appreciate the uh, Ed and Marty Talk Politics segment of the show. We'll uh, take a time out and be back with some final words on uh, this edition in just a moment. Stay with us. Ten fifty-six. I fell off Saturday sports talk. Coming down the home stretch. Still got time to squeeze a call in or two if you uh, have them at three five six nine three nine seven. Not going to go overtime today, Lauren. But uh, well, let's let's get some some dates straight in our head, okay? Okay. September fifteenth or sixteenth, the NCA led by Gavitt are going to decide about basketball. They're going to set a schedule. They're going to announce when the Mad March Mad. It may not be in March, but they're going <laughs> to announce when the uh, tournament's going to be played, and then they will schedule back from there and probably allow for the start of basketball. I'm thinking to be around Thanksgiving. That's what it sounds like. That's. That's separate from what the presidents are going to do. When are the presidents going to vote, Steve? They, I would, they'd have to vote if you're going to start basketball by Thanksgiving, November 25 or 26 in there. You've got to vote a month or more ahead of that. So that means that the, that the next vote by the presidents on this, on this time on basketball will surely come early in October. If not, early, if not late September. Yeah, late September, early October. At which time they also, about that same time, they're going to have to make a similar vote on football. And we're not. it doesn't matter how many schedules they announce. We can announce right. all kinds of schedules. But they've got to vote. They, for the Big Ten to play, the president's got to vote. And some of the presidents must change their votes in order for this to happen. Will they change their votes? That's the biggest question of all. And they've got to do it pretty soon. I mean, this is, we're right now coming to the 1st of September. And then you're going to look at the 1st of October. They've got to do it by the 1st of October. Right. No later. So, so my question is, they just, did, they just voted this out on August 11th. Are, do they see enough changes in a two-month period, less than a two-month period, to change their vote? Don't know the answer to that, but no. But that's the question: Is there enough? Are there enough changes in less than two months for them to change their vote? And the other one, and what will be the? How will Warren lead, or does he lead, or does he just count the votes? I mean, is he in a leadership position? We know that if Delaney was here, that he would be in a leadership position, and maybe help take the the conference in the direction that it should go. Whatever that is. But I don't know where Warren stands now because he's lost contact with his athletic directors who he depends on and and I I don't know where he stands with the presidents. I don't know I don't know how well they know him. Probably don't know him very well. No. I mean nobody really knew him very well when he got the job. Yeah. At least and he's only been here since January. At least on the college scene because he had a pro rack background. You know who's working close with him, don't you? Lon Gunther. Mm-hmm. He's still there with him. Yep. Well, that's going to take care of things on uh, this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to our guests, Brad Underwood, Professor Stephen Ross, Paul Klee out in Denver, and Jeff Patrikas from the Milwaukee uh, Journal Sentinel. We appreciate all your phone calls as well. Mr. Tate, we'll talk to you along the way. 
I love talking to these guys. Thanks to uh, Blake Landa and Ed Bond for his help on uh, the show today. Here on News Talk 1400 WDWS, for all the aforementioned folks, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend, everybody. (laughs) 